0: Football is life, amigos. Uh, wait a minute, that's another episode away from now. Hi, I'm Chip Sutterth. I'm host of, uh, co-host of, uh, legitimate salvage on the Incomparable Network and. <laughs> Occasional purveyor of a two-minute Doctor Who podcast, and we're here to talk about episode five of Ted Lasso on the way to the season premiere of season two. This is the episode Tan Lines, and with me are the internet's pseudonymous, pseudonymous, I can never say that (laughs) word right, Uh, snowman Dr. Drang of the Incomparable panel fame and frequently on the Incomparable's old movie club. Hello, Dr. Drang. Hello, hello. Also from the Incomparable Network, Guy English of Biff.
1: I believe in practice. Practice.
0: Practice makes we're perfect.
1: To to... We're, we're, ah. we're on a roll now. Let's keep going.
0: And Dr. Heather Berberet. Heather is a psychologist of clinical and family practice, if I do believe, and also nearer and dearer to my heart, a Doctor Who fan, uh, an occasional contributor to her (laughs) own blog, Doctor Who on the Couch. Hello, Dr.
2: Berberet. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for all of you being here. Um, So I love this episode, uh, and it is so atypical to the episodes that come before in the sense that this is supposed to be a comedy about association football, and the comedy takes a backseat to family drama and for the previous four episodes there hasn't been a lot of association football and in this episode uh football is a major chunk of the plot we actually see a lot of a game for a change um so those are some of the things that i like about tan lines but um i want to start with you uh heather uh when you think about this episode in the sweep of uh, the 10 episode first season uh what's significant about uh tan lines to you
2: you know for me this episode uh is the place in which ted begins to shift who he is and his life becomes different because in this episode um he's in the room with the boys and higgins says to him you know even the hardest times are easy when you're right with the right person. And Ted realizes that that's the answer to his dilemma. And I think it's really powerful, heartbreaking, beautiful moment. And what's interesting is the last episode, which I also got to podcast with some people about, the the supporting characters all had their relationship shifts. And uh, Ted didn't really have that last time, but he has it this time, and it sets the arc, I think in many ways for the rest of the season, so that 's what really stands out for me about tan lines
0: Dr. Dering, how about you
3: I think uh, to me this is sort of this is the emotional low point of of the show, not the not the later episode where uh, you know Ted has trouble signing the divorce papers. And it has sort of a crisis. I, I think this is the low point because this is when he realizes that that's what's going to happen, and this is when we all realize that that's going to happen. Uh, I think that uh, this this episode does an awful lot of plot work for the for the show as a whole. There are a lot of things going on in this episode with uh, Roy and Keeley, with Ted and his, and his relationship. And a lot of things that and with Jamie and Ted with his relationship with with uh, with Michelle, but also his relationship with Jamie, which later pays off. Um, There's a lot going on here. And I think this is probably the least funny show. There are good jokes in it, but they are they don't come as fast as they do in the other episodes, even in the other episodes where there's a lot where there is also a lot of drama they are generally funnier and i think it's not because there's emotional parts in this in this episode it's because there's just a, there's a lot of plot machinery going on in here.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very story
1: episode mm-hmm. of Ted Lasso. Mhm. Guy, how about you? Uh I mean, not only is it the midway point, i think it's kind of the peak. Like i think they've sort of constructed something really perfectly here. Um Yeah, this is where we need to pivot, right? We've set everybody, we've spent, what, four episodes prior to this setting everybody up, sort of learning who they are, how they tick, uh, introduce the characters as individuals, and then sort of have them come together uh, the episode prior at the gala. Um, And now we're sort of, we're going to see the rest of the uh, season home, right? So we're going to set up the central... uh, uh, thrust of the relationship between uh, roy and Keeley, uh between you know as Drag just said between um, and heather between uh all of sort of our major characters um at the same time i really sort of i thought the sports worked really well in this episode uh because he didn't really need to know a lot about how soccer works in order to understand the basic lessons that were being taught and uh we were seeing these characters express themselves on the pitch and it is a heightened version of their personalities. And through that, there's a lot of shorthand just giving away Jamie acts on the pitch or Roy acts on the pitch or Sam or anybody. Um, and that shorthand helps uh, give a lot more depth to these characters in a much shorter amount of time. You know, uh, I've been watching
0: this episode over and over again, and taking all kinds of notes for this podcast and all that. You know, I think I've seen this episode like five or six times. Honestly, I, I watch this show a lot, and when when you Heather mentioned um, Higgins saying that uh, saying that about if when it, it, when you're with the right person, everything is easy. I I always saw that line as being sort of sort of sort of wrong on its face there are lots of times when you're with the right person and things are not easy but they're not
3: talking
0: i think ted has this moment where he realizes that he's not that he- this doesn't apply to ted this applies to his wife to michelle she's not with the right person right
2: right that's right
0: and i And I think the brilliance of this episode is it's written by Brett Goldstein, who spends all of his time on camera grunting and being angry as Roy Kent. But as executive story editor of the show, you know, his job, his and the rest of the writers room, was to take this 30 minute episode, introduce us to Michelle and Henry and chart the rise and fall of a marriage in 30 minutes and leave you not feeling like anybody uh, is the villain. Except maybe Jamie Tart.
2: Jamie Tart's always the villain. Until he's not.
1: Yeah.
0: Until he's not. I mean, not. is
2: he?
1: Everybody's their own worst enemy ultimately in well, this show I think. So well that that much is
0: very true. So we start out <laughs> with um, seeing the seeing uh, uh the the family that appears to have ha- have to be the right people with each other uh the entire Higgins brood inside the car uh leading to a great little pratfall <laughs> uh for uh Jason Sudeikis and uh the introduction of Oklahoma. Uh Heather, as a um, as as a clinical psychologist and family therapist, uh, is Oklahoma a great strategy? <laughs>
2: you know, it's not one I've ever used, but I kind of wonder about it. Um, I mean, definitely, the truth can be a weapon. So I don't know that I want to give my couples permission to shoot a dagger at their partner by the truth. Um, but it's a great story tool, right? Because. He's able to use that language, uh not just with his wife, but he uses it with Rebecca to great effect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And so I think it's a great storytelling tool. Um, Can I just also, can I just make a writing comment here? You know, oh, absolutely. Uh, Chip, that's so true that this is a really heartbreaking episode, but you don't let leave heartbroken. And partly I think they just do this off oh, so good. We open with Higgins and his wife of 28 years and their five children and their two dogs and their dying cat. And you just feel the love. Right. And they they don't talk about anything. It's completely inane. Right. And you feel the love. And that is how we open this episode. And then we go through this just heartbreak. Right. With um, Tim and his wife is Shelley or Sherry. Michelle.
3: Oh, Michelle, Michelle. Thank you.
2: OK. Well, you know, like, that was close. Or, or I close was enough. Yeah, okay. yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And we have these moments between them. And then the very, there's that last, um, and I know you're going to talk about this, but this is, I'm talking about the writing and uh, the arc of it. And we'll get into the details later. But at the end, when um Ted and Michelle have that conversation where they're ending it and they're intercut with Kylie and Roy beginning a relationship. So you really use the structure of... um these three relationships and where they're all at, uh, to give us that arc of how relationships change and grow over time and ends with like this new thing, starting with Roy and, um, Keely. So I just, just in terms of writing and doing so much in 30 minutes, I just thought that was just so incredibly well done. So yeah, I just had to say that bit about it. And I think that's why we leave feeling good, because we leave feeling good because Roy and Keeley are flirting with each other in the parking lot, and you know they're totally going to get it on, right? Like, there's so much chemistry there. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, so, we meet them on the pitch, on the practice pitch. <laughs> we, see, uh, we, we see Ted being an active coach, and sort of, he, he's getting the measure of his players, and he's getting the, the measure of himself a, a, as as a coach in this situation, and um, Jamie's just, Jamie Tart is, it's increasingly evident that not only does he think a lot of himself, but he really doesn't think a whole lot of his other teammates, and it really shows in that practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, he explicitly says so after, which is, you know, in case you, in case that hadn't been underscored enough, it, it really sticks it to him after. Uh, and then, in fact, turns around and is kind of uh, sweet to his kid, Henry. But in a in a way that's trying to twist a knife. Like I know you can't argue with me right now because you your kids here. So I'm gonna say these. Uh, I'm gonna say things that have meaning to you, and it's going to seem innocuous to the kid. And it's he's just being a real jerk. I take it back. Maybe Jimmy is the the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: you know, what, really. Yeah, Jimmy- Twist the knife in that scene. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, uh, I was just gonna. I was until we see Jamie's dad. Yes, Jamie. Jamie is (laughs) Jamie's the bad guy. He's still the bad guy. I mean, you you can you can rise above, and he certainly doesn't, and he doesn't really try. Yeah, he has his moments, though. I mean, again, not in this episode. Uh, this episode is probably a low point for Jamie. He he is probably absolutely at his worst in this, in this episode. I can't remember another episode. Jamie's always kind of a dick, but I don't remember him being quite so much of one, uh, in any of the other episodes.
1: I, I watched the subsequent episode and, uh, he's kind of a dick there too, except at the end, uh, are we spoiling stuff in, for future episodes? I don't know, but anyway, we're totally spoiling stuff. We oh, oh, okay. are absolutely assuming that everybody's watched all ted Okay, perfect. So they, they have a ritual to cleanse <laughs> their their room yes. of of ghosts, and Jamie does, in fact, come by at the end and throw in the cleats. Says his mom gave him, and he gives a little story about how his dad was a huge dick to him, and he uh, went down that road rather than going down the supportive road of his of his mother. So I think that's where they kind of start redeeming him a little bit, ultimately. I mean, we know how it works out. It doesn't really work out. Uh, Heather, I believe I went on a little tangent there and you had something to say.
2: No, I totally don't. I'm sorry, you guys. I just wanted to say that one of my favorite moments of this episode is what really twists the knife in that scene between Ted and Jamie is when they're walking out and Ted's son, Henry, starts singing, Jamie. Start the, start. <laughs> like, so that's great. what twists it. I mean, that's the twist in the knife, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's come back to that in a minute. I, I don't want to miss one of the funny lines uh, in, in, in this episode, The the metaphor, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to throw that to Dr. Durang. Uh, you you mentioned that this is uh, not the funniest of the episodes, but it does have a few uh, laugh lines that are also very significant.
3: Yeah. So when Michelle and Henry, the, the wife and son, show up, they're on the other side of the practice field far away. And uh, Ted sees them, says practice is canceled after talking about how we're going to keep practicing until we get this right. And, and you know, does the usual coach thing on that. Then he just, he says, practices canceled, which we think is the joke and starts running across. Uh, 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 Nathan then says, it's a lot longer than he thinks it is. And coach beard says metaphor and, and it is, and it's, and it's very nice. And there's another metaphor later on when Ted finally gets there out of breath and says, I thought you were going to meet me halfway. Ah, well, that's, that's both metaphor and a bit of foreshadowing.
1: Yeah. This episode is is so sorry. uh, This episode is so tightly written. Um, we get payoffs, like, real quick. Uh, uh, Ted introduces the concept of Oklahoma and then uses it on uh, on the boss. God, I'm going to blank on her name. Sorry. Uh, Rebecca. Thank you. Guess, guess it's the whole Bex thing and old Rebecca. Uh, mm-hmm. He uses it immediately on the boss. So we're, we're taught the utility of it. We see it in action, and we see the results. And, okay, now we've learned how that technology works. Uh, he talks about sticking his finger in peanut butter, and we see that a little later on, and – Literally just calling out a metaphor for a run and then <laughs> feeling like like that whole setup is so basic, but it is it is done remarkably well. I'm not sure how to – it's just such a clean cut. It's like they tell what you what they're going to do and then they do it well and it works. It, it feels like you haven't been tricked or just they're doing uh, like a dog and pony show. It feels real to the characters and it feels real to the world. Sure, I mean it's the most
0: economical thirty minutes in yeah. television that I've seen in a long time. Uh, so, in quick succession here, uh, we after after we meet Michelle and Henry, uh, we get to see Jamie Tart, the world's most hopeless brand ambassador, at work <laughs> as. Right after, right after, um, he has spent less than twenty-four hours in mourning over the breakup of his
1: relationship, uh, and just cruising right on to uh, a- another one-night stand. And- I, don't, I don't think her name was mourning. I don't know what her name was. We didn't get her name, but that was that was a that was a rough scene. He had most of the jokes in this scene. Like Beerby was kind of basic funny. That that he has Chinese tattoos on his bicep is kind of funny.
2: Chinese tattoos that mean arm.
1: Is that is that what it means? <laughs> yeah, like, he's like,
2: oh you gotta see this. This is my tattoo. It means arm in Chinese. Oh, it's like, oh my I, god.
1: I
0: miss <laughs> that. I just
1: Yeah. I was just like I was so enjoying like the like the small moments of like Dumb humor we were getting out of that, but yeah. I mean, I mean,
0: the sad the, the the sad thing is, he's kind of in some ways he's kind of the most pure character on the show. I mean, he's just yeah, sure. uh, you know, he 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 has no shame and um and and he is exactly who he ex- exactly who he is. I love that little wibble that um the his his overnight companion gives when she meets Keely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is kind of hilarious, but this leads to um keely following through with the brand ambassador thing that she set up for jamie and setting up a a career opportunity with rebecca um which and 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 the really the the beginning of the establishment of that friendship uh which is really nice and Mm -hmm. uh with with the men give each other jobs in the toilet all the time line
1: which is fall down funny yeah Oh, Keely's never afraid to crack a joke. Sorry, Heather.
2: Go. I love Keely so much. I want to be yeah. her. She's just so <laughs> straightforward. She doesn't take any shit from anybody. Oh, can I say that word? She just, you know, she just is who she is, and it. I just, I, I aspire to just be as straightforward as she is. She's amazing.
0: And we get the after we get those um, after after we get those bits that really do uh, a, a, a sort of. Uh, set set markers for where these characters are going to go in future episodes. It's back to the, uh, it's back to the family uh, and uh, and, and the Lego building scene and the morning aftermath of that, of that Lego building scene. Um, and that talk about peaks and valleys right there.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the actress who plays Michelle, I think does a really good job uh, at, at portraying the tug of sadness that's has to do, that's part of everything she does. Uh, You know, you, you don't see her. No, even when she's smiling, she's not really happy. And you can see that throughout this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, she has a way of uh, acting with her eyes that betrays what she's saying and, and gives different meaning to everything that she does. And, and, you know, there are the easy parts where she actually is crying and she actually is telling Ted about, you know, how she's trying, but it isn't working and, and all of that. And she can't seem to get back to that sense that they had when they first met. But even when they're putting together the lo- the, the Lego uh, double-decker bus, it's, it's not doing it for her.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, when she sits down with her, not, not quite estranged yet, but her husband that she hasn't seen in, uh, do we know how many months? I don't know, long enough time. She asks him about the, the newspaper wrapping for the fish and chips, which is like mundane yeah. small talk, just trying to be like, okay, if I can just get through the next 15 minutes while my kid throws darts at the regulars at the bar, I can, I we don't need to engage in a conversation I don't want to engage in, is the, was the read I had.
3: Yeah, that, that's a very well-written part yeah. where they just kind of talk about nothing because they don't want to talk about what they need to talk about. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, but,
0: until we get but, around to the Oklahoma moment, and uh, she, she lays yeah. it on the line and then says, you know, and and then she says, I'll keep trying, you know I will. These are, this is a couple that's real, both of them are really working at this thing, um, but it's just not working.
1: Heather, how do they fix this?
2: Well, you know what's interesting. <laughs> you know what's interesting for me is I, I would rarely ever presume to comment on writing at this level, but in the whole show, this is the one place that I just didn't think they did quite a good enough job hmm. because I think Michelle is a very um, likable woman. I think that the character her personality is actually quite compatible with Ted's. I think that the actress's portrayal of this woman is gorgeous and authentic. And uh, I can feel where she is. And I think the place that she is, is very authentic, but they don't give us even a hint of a reason why they, they are. They do. They try to give us a hint. Ted's unrelenting optimism is, is the one hint we have. And you know what? I don't buy it. If they had made her personality a little bit less compatible with Ted's, I think that would have been sufficient. So everything that we get given on the screen, I think is good and, 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 and um, totally believable and, and very authentic. I think we just don't get enough. I think we needed just a little bit more to, to help us get some traction on, yeah, there's people, sometimes people just can't make it through. And I don't think we get that here. It feels like a, An absent or gray area. Um, And I don't know that it would have been a lot. And I know that, well, I don't know, but I, I strongly suspect that they're trying to say, look, how a marriage looks from the outside and how it feels on the inside are two very different things, which I'm a hundred percent about. So I get that stuff happened between these two characters that we will never know about because it's not relevant to the story. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she can't find a way to want to make it work with him anymore—that is relevant to the story—and I don't think they give us enough there. So that's really the only criticism I have. Um,
1: he he does say at some point—I forget if he's talking to the the his management team in the uh, in the office. Yeah, the future to, Diamond Dogs. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's um, he's talking to them, uh, and I, I believe he says something like, um, uh, "Everything I tried to do to help her out." failed like it he found himself running against a brick wall which i could see like if she just wants some kind of support and he's like pick yourself up by the poop straps let's go get them and she's like i could just really do with a good cry i've had a bad day maybe that's it but they don't they don't put it on the screen so you you know
2: know, i thought i thought about this a lot um because i didn't want to criticize if i Mm -hmm. you know if i didn't really buy it and um, the thing is, Ted is just not like that with the other characters. Like, yes, he is unrelentingly optimistic, but he is able to drop down beyond that. I mean, we, he does it yeah. with Jamie in this episode where he goes yeah. to Jamie in this whole germaphobic conversation, right? So he's quite capable to meet people at different levels. Um And I, I did wonder about that. I just kept trying to fix it because that is a problem of the fixing it. Um I yeah. just felt like it wasn't a big enough bite to feel satisfying enough for me. And of course I come at this with a very specialized nerdy very. knowledge base. So I buy I understand that. But I still wish there'd just been a little bit more. There's definitely a way to portray a yeah. couple that can't make it work where nobody's the bad guy. You right. can get both sides and they just can't find their way through and I just didn't think we got enough enough conflict between them. So
1: Yeah, I think we need to know why Ted is in enrichment in the first place. And we need to know that it's not his fault, but ultimately something didn't work out. And they didn't spend the time on the relationship as much as to just tell us that like, look, this relationship's not working somehow. Sure. And who knows, they're probably high school sweethearts and she's he may not be the same with her as he is with the people that uh, basically report to him on his team, right? Like there's a while he's emotionally capable of getting there, not necessarily with somebody who's been with since he was like 16. Well, so. And I
2: would have liked to see that. Like I'm yes. wondering, yeah. it would have been such a rich scene to give us that moment. And it can, you know, they're such good writers. They could have given it to us in three or four lines. Right. And we would have yeah. said, Oh, I see that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they just didn't. Well, so yeah.
3: I'm going to introduce some conflict here. Mm. Uh, Cause I disagree. I disagree Bring entirely it. with Heather <laughs> Bring on this.
2: it. Excellent.
3: Here, so I think this is economy of storytelling we don't need to see Ted and, and Michelle's relationship in that level of detail because we've already experienced Ted. And although I think everybody likes Ted, that's why the show is successful, I think all of us can recognize that at some point it's going to be too much. And if, and if we have to be with Ted all of the time, we might not like it. As much as we do spending thirty minutes every week with him, and, there are some
0: times there uh, early on when he is just absolutely f- kind of forcing himself on on um, on Rebecca and and, yeah. and and just trying to ingratiate himself to and no no and, and he's being really genuine. He wants to build a good relationship, and he's not asking anything of her. But he's he's he, he's clearly missing the psych, the uh the nonverbal and verbal cues that she's giving him that uh, this is not the kind of working relationship that she wants, yeah, um, if if exactly. I was if could... and,
3: it, and it goes back to and it goes back to guys pointing out of the Oklahoma joke because that whole thing is is, you know, Ted saying you really like these kind of these kind of uh, talks where we share things don't you and she says i do and he says oklahoma and she says i do not you know and that, and that's that's the kicker joke before they go into the uh into the the credit scene it's uh, inappropriate you know, the if, if i
1: yeah if i knew somebody was bringing cookies to their woman boss every day and she'd said she didn't want them I mean, we get away with like, it because she really does want them. And, you know, we're trying to re- rehabilitate her from like ice cream kind of thing. But from the outside, uh, that's, a, that's kind of a screwed up relationship right by itself.
3: Yeah. So I, I just think that, you know, an episode where we have more of Ted and Michelle, I think would be too much. We, we know what Ted is, and I think we believe that Michelle is a normal person. And a normal person is going to get fed up with Ted again, you know, he's a great character and there are a lot of great things about Ted, but enough is enough. And I, I think living with him would be, and I think we could all see that living with him might be difficult. You know, even, you know, beard doesn't live with him and, you know, coach beard and he get along very, very well.
0: Up but until they just, don't in episode nine. Well,
3: exactly, you know, uh, you know because it's not. And, and, and you know, when they, when they have their big fight, it's – Ted is – again, he, we like him as a character. I'm not sure we'd like him as a person that we have to live with 24-7.
1: I don't think that you've introduced conflict necessarily, though, because what Heather was saying is that uh, – not to – I don't, I don't want to paraphrase you. Obviously, Heather, you're
2: right here. Uh, Please continue.
1: Um, I see your argument is like you would like to know more about that character and how things went wrong, and I think, uh, I think it's partially due to the economy, and I think Dr. Zhang, you, you're agreeing. Uh, and yeah, I can't, I can definitely see how Ted could screw up a relationship after thirty years of that. That's gonna, that's gonna add up a lot. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see what happened in that. Marriage, but I don't think we're going to go back there and visit it. Maybe, you know. maybe next year when he yeah. sees his kid or something, you know. But uh, I think we will get maybe one episode per season dealing with this sort of relationship.
0: Well, Heather, could you uh, give us the last word on this, and then we'll yes. move on to the re- to the uh, to the action on the pitch?
2: Yeah, I mean, Doctor Drang, I think you bring up excellent points, and I actually completely agree with you. I I don't want anything more about the relationship. I think I wanted it a little different. I think Michelle is too mm. accommodating a character. She's too sad. She's not angry. She's sad. She's trying to make it work, but we don't see any we don't mm. see her sh- her personality as they've written her. Seems so accommodating that even if, even if what we saw when she, ta- cause she has lines, right? So those, that moment when she's, those moments when she's on sc- screen, she could say anything. Even if we got more, um, I need to be my own person or you're suffocating or I don't know, you know, that we just don't really get anything from her. If anything, she is more of a just, Um, I mean, she, you can feel her so much, but we don't really understand why she's unhappy. And I think they could have just shifted how they wrote some of her lines so that we had a better sense of why she was unhappy, which would have given us more of the conflict in the relationship. But I completely agree with you. And I think they're excellent points. I had not considered that I could never live with Ted Lasso, even as, you know, I appreciate him and I concur. I don't think we want any more time with their relationship because it's not the point. I just wanted to know a little bit more about her, why she is so unhappy with him, yeah. if and we could have seen that in her personality, or we could have seen that in the explanation she gives, or in even in their interaction. But every time we see them together, it's really kind of lovely, right? So you're like, well, why are you? Le- this is lovely. What are what makes you so unhappy? So I think we actually agree. We just have different parts. Maybe we care about here.
0: That sounds that sounds right to me. And uh, so. This leads to the soft launch of the Diamond Dogs project and um, uh, Higgins's entry into the inner sanctum, which I think is, that's a signal to uh, the fact that he's going to get closer to doing things the Ted Lasso way uh, and lead to, uh, and, and, and in a way it's going to lead to uh, Jamie Tart getting sent back to Manchester City uh, uh, in the next episode when he helps when he helps Ted uh, with the curse uh, lifting experience and uh, but we, but that takes us to, that takes us to the actual so- soccer game, an actual soccer game on Ted Lasso, who would have thought it. Um, <laughs> and uh, we have that locker scene that we were talking about with the antagonism between uh, Jamie and Ted. And we see that for all of that optimism, Ted has limits. Ted is, um, it, it, Ted is a mere human, uh, which is really funny because one of my favorite lines—it's a throwaway line—but uh, the uh, the game is going badly, and we're at the pub, and the and the guys are just screaming at the uh, screaming at, at, at what an idiot Ted Lasso is, and then one of them says, "Nice family though." Yeah. Damn it, Paul! Don't humanize him. <laughs> It's just a it's just a tossed off line in the pub that I just adore, um, but and then we're and then we're in the and then we're in the soccer match, and I'd love your thoughts about um, about uh, soccer drama Ted Lasso style.
3: Does well, anybody watch soccer? I, I know virtually nothing about soccer, but you don't, uh, as Guy said earlier, you you don't have to. This is standard sports. Uh, uh, storyline here where there's there's conflict on the team things are going badly on the team something somebody does something right and then things work out and there's a tremendous celebration it's it is it's very cliched they do it well i mean in in all stories you can we, we stories Are not invented. We, we tell the same stories over and over again. It's how you tell it. And this was told really well because we we've been set up. We've been set up with the, with Ted nearly getting into it with, with Jamie and he would have gotten into it with Jamie in the locker room if Mm -hmm. Henry hadn't showed up. And so that continues on. And, you know, just before halftime, he pulls Jamie out of, uh, out of the game. So we get, well, we we get, so that's Ted finally having his, his, uh, his conflict with, with Jamie resolved by basically being, being the boss. We have Roy and Jamie getting into it on the pitch. We have Jamie being a jerk to Sam as after Sam was sort of injured. We have, Also, we have the sort of classic, one thing I do know about soccer is that soccer players (laughs) are gigantic babies and go down, uh, you know, grabbing (laughs) their legs or their backs or their arms anytime they are, anyone breathes on them. And that's, that's something I think anyone who's ever seen a soccer game knows, knows happens. And so we get that in, in this, uh, in this, because Sam is actually fine. He's just lying on the ground, trying to, stay away from the conflict between roy and jamie so we get it's great and then we get and then we get you know the uh the celebration afterward uh where everyone is still yelling out wanker but there's some there's some Heart behind it. <laughs> they're not. Well, yeah, they're it's, they're it's like the
1: '80s when everything was yeah. bad was good.
3: Yeah, and yes, they're
0: clapping.
1: Exactly. They're, they're making it a chant rather than like an angry mob, right? So, yeah.
0: I think I, I think uh, before we get to that point, though, all of the um, everything that we see up until halftime uh, shows uh, shows us a team that's on the brink of falling apart. Yes. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. They don't play play well with each other. The only the only one who seems to be sort of getting uh, getting the hang of it is uh, the guy who uh, has been reading a wrinkle in time lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, and, and Roy Kent being a bit of a coach. Um, any other thoughts about uh, the sort of the, the the team dynamics before we get get our locker room uh, conversation guy or Heather? I.
1: I, I loved it a lot. I've watched it a lot of soccer in my time. I'm a, I am was born in the UK, so uh, I was initially scared of the show thinking it would just be a, an annoying fish-out-of-water story, and I was very wrong. They do some fish-out-of-water jokes, but they're always for fun, you know, like confusing a boot. Uh, I liked it. I, I thought you didn't need to know anything about it, and in fact, soccer is one of those games that everybody knows what you do. You use your feet, you kick the ball, you put it in the net pretty much the end of the story try not to be a jerk and knock anybody over uh or slide tackle and that kind of thing like um uh Friday Night Lights I, which I know people compare to this quite often uh American football is a much more complicated ba- game even baseball is complicated like you're like okay well what's the play you're supposed to do when a runner's on first and third I don't know who knows I, I don't know soccer there's the thing kick the ball in the thing that's Pretty basic, uh so it reads really well, and you see more about how the characters interact with each other than I think uh, you would with a more complicated sport. Which is partially why I think they don't need to spend it as much time on the field, because it's less talking and just more like, what are your immediate actions under duress? Effective? Not maybe the game isn't duress, but you understand what I mean. Like you're in a you're in a high stress situation. um I thought it was great. I thought they handled it well. It was a little over the top. Uh, even the most egocentric dudes I've ever seen in, I mean, I've watched Maradona play in the 80s and even he would go and hug his teammates. So, you know, Jamie Turd is a bit of a jerk, but, you know, it reads well on screen and it's very understandable to the audience. And I think in a a show that has compressed important relationships down so much uh, that they can find so much meat on the bones of these characters with only, I don't know how many, I don't know what the runtime for this is, Eight minutes, five to eight minutes, somewhere around there. Uh I think they did a really good job conveying what's important to the characters and, and how they act in a, in such a short time span. Also, the fact that it's Sam on the ground. Sam is the sweetest guy. Come on. Like he's he's the fact that you're being a jerk to Sam just really underscores how what a jerk Jimmy is.
2: Well the game is just really a vehicle for character development, right? Yes. I mean it's just that's in this show, that's all it really is. It's never really about the game. Well, maybe the last episode, it's about the game, but...
1: Not yeah. even then, So maybe, but anyway. So along
0: those lines, Heather, uh, if you could take us from the the state that we leave those players in at the end of the first half, and if you could... What are your thoughts about... Ted's speech, you know, his ode to lady football, um, you know, which, which was a nice save. Uh, but what he's saying about what, what he's saying to try to heal the team and in the process sort of kind of heal himself
2: Heals himself. Yeah. I mean, I can certainly relate to Ted. I don't know uh, if you guys are like this, but I tend to know what I think as I say it, um, rather than knowing what I think and then saying whatever I thought, it tends to go all together. And so clearly, Ted's doing that here, right? There's this parallel process. He's taking the star player out of the game and he's having to take, he's having to, you know, significantly shift his own personal relationship. And so those two are very parallel to each other. Mm -hmm. And so sure, those neurons are all mixing up as they're firing in his brain. And he's really talking to himself about change, of course, as he's talking to his team also about change. And, um, and of course it's funny cause they're super good at that. Um, and then I think one of my favorite, like the, I think the sportiest sports moment in that Friday night lights spirit is the moment where he goes, okay, once y'all look at me, are you looking at me? And he turns around and he walks to his office and he leaps up and he hits that belief sign, you know, that is just like such a Friday night lights moment. And, um, I think it was really beautiful done, but I think he's also speaking to himself there. Like, you know, believe it's going to be okay. Yeah. Believe that this is the right thing to be doing at this right time that, you know, sometimes what we really have to do is make changes. So I think it's just beautiful, beautiful writing again, really authentic to how people are and that great smack that sign, So good.
3: Love that sign. I think uh, also that, Ted's uh, Ted's speech and his it's a very male speech, right? And and he knows his audience. He's talking to a bunch of guys, and so talking about his art teacher, talking about adolescence from an entirely male point of view, uh, is the kind of thing that is going to work really, really well with his audience and uh, the team and who are barely out of adolescence for the most part other than Roy and it is it's a showing a wisdom in Ted which of course means that there's a wisdom in in the uh in the writers that Ted is not sort of a wishy-washy character I think we see that we see that in this episode in particular, because he really, he he does in fact, take Jamie tart out. He, he is about to get into it with Jamie before, before, uh, the, the game starts. We see it also, I think, uh, in the episode where he beats Rupert at darts even more so where Mm -hmm. you really see that Ted is not Ted is a winner. And we we saw that in the very first episode, right? He had taken his college football team, uh, you know, to a championship. Ted is a winner and there has to be something about that where he's not just saying, Oh, we've got to be nice people. and, and, And that sort of thing. He, he has to win at some point. And these are things where he wins at. And he is, he knows his audience. He's talking about, sex kind of with his audience but it's a very male-oriented thing and uh i think that's a that, that speech is a very well very well written it's yes it wanders a lot as i'm wandering now but it it works um it yeah. works dramatically
1: i agree that that speech wanders because it is uh extemporaneous from a man whose mind is wandering between the game, between yeah. trying to say what he's talking to his team, realizing that he's talking about himself. Uh, the whole tan lines thing is an allusion to uh, feeling left bare and raw and exposed, uh, which is, you know, kind of how he's feeling at this point um, without being lewd about it in any way. I mean, he's he's a little salacious, but like uh, whatever. Like, I I didn't find it it is a male locker room. It is. A, it's an all male locker room, and it is. It is, it is and he's literally not saying locker anything. room
0: conversation.
1: Yeah, but not not the way that that term has been <laughs> way over expanded than what it should be. Uh, True enough. He, he is, in fact, you know, he's recounting his his adolescence as as a as a man as a well, sorry, not as a man as a as a straight man. Um, uh, or at least a bisexual man. Man, I feel like I'm walking into a minefield here and I'm really not trying to... uh, I'm just trying to say that he is sharing his thoughts with a a male uh, locker room and he is using that reaching back to his past and using that sort of um, uh, feeling of... uh, using it as a metaphor of uh, feeling exposed and and having... um, something that he's not comfortable with sharing and he's sharing it uh he is leaning over the table and letting them all see his own emotions and they all look at themselves after and then finally at the end he's like uh and i mean lady soccer you know which is not a good save <laughs> like everybody in the room was like "Kate, hey, you are you're definitely dealing with some personal stuff uh, and we get a couple of reaction shots to that uh and then he kinda of pulls it back. But you know, I think that's one of those moments where uh the team loves him not just because A, they wanna they they help pump him up, but B because um uh, you know, he left himself sort of exposed to them in a little raw.
0: I think in this episode in the one previous, we really sort of get to the heart of like Ted's character arc um in this in this season. I it's not a very dramatic arc, you know. He's not he he's not a boor or a bully no, no, no. Uh, when we when we were introduced to him but in when when he when he realizes uh, what an awful person uh, Rupert is in the previous episode and as he's navigating the personal stuff in this episode i get the feeling that he is not just He's, he's not just saying the right things and being an inspirational figure to his team, but he's also learning how to be a better and better listener as time goes on.
1: Maybe that goes it's, to Heather's point is said he wasn't a good listener.
2: Well, we don't know, do we? They didn't yeah. tell us why Michelle leaving. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing, just listening to you guys talk, I'm not someone who spends a lot of time in male locker rooms, so I, I don't really know. <laughs> but... Um, he just thinking as a shrink, you know, I think it's interesting the metaphor, you know, the the memory he draws upon to talk to these guys about change is one that's sexual and romantic and erotic, right? And he's struggling with letting his wife go. So I can't help but notice that I think in many ways, that's how much in love and attracted he still is to his wife. That's what kind of says to mm. me, right? Like that's where his mind is. He's That's how much he loves her which just and and what his relationship to her is and what it what an enormous sacrifice it is for him to let her go without drama without rage without all the things that is kind of my bread and butter every day um and and that he lets her go and i think it's because he loves her that much anyway just i'm sure it's also locker room talk and all that, and he was trying to get to the guys. I don't mean to disagree with anything guys are saying, but I just, you know, he's also talking about his first crush, right? Which wasn't Michelle, mm-hmm. but he's talking about his first crush as he's talking about letting his wife go. So,
1: yeah. Honestly, I think you're as right as, as <laughs> Dr. Chang and yeah. I no, have been all, about that. I think that makes perfect
3: sense. Yeah. It all mixes together. Yeah. Because yeah. Ev- everything is happening to him at once. And so everything is rolling around in his brain and it's all getting mixed together, including the game that he's in the middle of coaching. <laughs> like right. He loses yeah. the
2: thread a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> but, yeah. Speaking of wit, go ahead. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, so, you know, the players are scared too, because although everybody hates Jamie, they know, I mean, Jamie's the only one who's scored so far. We haven't had we haven't had the extra pass yet where where the team wins. That's in the future. And all we've had so far is Jamie scoring a goal on his own, and then Jamie scoring the penalty kick, a goal with a penalty kick after Sam goes down injured. Um, you know, we don't have anybody on that team being good in the moment. Roy obviously has been a great player. We know that, or at least we're told that. Um, but nobody on this team, no matter how much we like them, and no matter how much Sam looks like he ought to be a good player and all of that, nobody scores other than Jamie. And everybody on that team is worried that they're they're going to go straight to down the toilet without Jamie out there. And th- the speech helps them get over that and get them prepared for um, mm. for the second half. And then and ultimately the great success with the extra pass that we have been, that, you know, was being talked about in the practice session uh, at the beginning of the show.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's Chekhov's
3: extra pass. Yeah, it pays and, off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, and so when we get out of the uh, out of the locker room, uh, the rest of the game is kind of uh, standard issue uh, sports drama. Uh, you know, uh, the team the, the team um, scores by playing the Ted Lasso way. They do it without Jamie Tartt. And uh everybody in the uh in the pub uh gives each other a beer shower um <laughs> uh, in, 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 in in suitable slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um nice nice and insp- nice and inspiring. Um leads to uh leads to leads to some nice little character bits. Rebecca's disappointment that uh benching Jamie Tart actually worked. She thought she had Ted right where she wanted him, and no. He's succeeding. the uh, The uh, crowd is cheering his nickname with enthu- with enthusiasm, <laughs> affectionately, um, affectionately. <laughs> um, uh, which leads to the uh, which leads to the best line of the whole thing. Uh, Da- Daddy, what's a wanker? It's a man who likes to be alone with his thoughts. <laughs>
1: I Such. I love that line so much. I love that line so much. I'm like, can I talk about that on the show tonight? Because it seems a little, it's a little bit. Yes, <laughs> you can. Yes, yeah. you can. This it's is perfect. America. We don't know what the word means. It's just perfect. Because he gives a thoughtful pause, too. And he's like, okay, I'm going to have to come up with a good one here. Uh, and as he's putting him on his shoulders, he's like, you know, man who likes to be alone with his thoughts, which is as good an explanation for what was that kid, seven year old, six year old? Good enough. Yeah, good yeah. enough.
0: But um, there's there there's that hilarious line. There's uh, Rebecca's reaction to the fact that Ted's on the upswing now, and the 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 handshake of respect between the <laughs> captain and the gaffer, mm-hmm. um, and as as knowing knowing where roy's arc's going to wind up I, I love that um any any final thoughts about the game before we go to uh the rainstorm and the end of the episode
3: well they i think they do a good job with the second half in that they show virtually none of it uh we go yeah. we go straight, it's like the princess uh, bright it's just the good bits part yeah boom we are into extra time uh and, and so we've already we've somehow gone through 45 minutes already without without seeing a bit of it. We're just going to we're going to see the extra pass. And that's it. Yeah. And
1: we're, if you've watched told, any kind of soccer the, the announcers,
3: the announcers are working as as our Greek chorus telling us that, you know, the game is still tied. OK, good. Now, here we go. Roy Roy has the ball. He's on a breakaway. He makes the extra pass. Great success. And then, yes, I, I think that the, the handshake between uh, between Roy and Ted there and, uh, and, you know, that took Ball's comment is the solidification of, of that relationship uh, between those two. And, you know, and we know that they're going to be working together from now on.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt there. I, I just wanted to say that, like, yeah, if you've watched a lot of soccer, 45 minutes plus with nothing happening is not a surprise <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm a big soccer fan don't get, people are gonna get mad at me for that but no I mean come on like having a whole half go by without having is a, like a, a point score that's totally reasonable
3: oh well my, my my big soccer fan friends all tell me that it's it's you know it's wonderful you get to, the ebb and flow of the game is great and you see the momentum change and stuff like that and of course uh, as an American who likes basketball where where oh, the extra pass is also revered uh, what, no scoring though really yeah okay. yeah basketball okay, you really you want to score so. yeah uh Drang, no, i, I do I, I appreciate a lot of the beauty of the movement and all that sort of stuff sure. but shouldn't you score sometimes everyone you
1: know oh, the score is in the beauty of it though uh Drang, yeah. i don't know if you watch doctor who but uh chip and heather <laughs> uh, are, are you concerned that uh the owner of the bar is going to turn out to be a Slytherin?
2: Yeah, desperately. I'm just waiting for her to blot out a big old fart.
1: <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm just It took me I'm, forever I'm to notice gonna... her. I'm like, I know, I know her from somewhere.
2: Well, and she's coming to um galley this year too. So I'm oh, I'm yeah? already working on my lasso question for her. Oh, um, that's awesome.
1: That's a double whammy of awesome. Yeah. Uh Can just There you go. Her name is uh, Annette Badland. Annette Badland, for the, yeah. For the for the listeners at home, she was on what 2005 ish episode of uh doctor who three three, three. of them three of them of uh, yeah. course
0: of course our executive story editor and uh captain on the pitch was also a doctor in a uh, jody whittaker episode of doctor who so, was he um oh wow absolutely Very
1: cool. check out the
0: syringa okay. conundrum if, if 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 you can so yeah. bringing it back to the end um so we've had our we, we've had our game we've had our denouement there now there's nothing left but the rain and two sad people and a tale of two parking lots and I think that, uh, let's just sort of let's just sort of wrap up this podcast with sort of the wrap up of the show and the relationship and how you think this episode uh, f- finishes everything up
2: I think there is um no greater way to express love for someone than to let them go. And we really rarely see it in media where people don't flip out and get enraged and have huge battles and, you know, fight the dying of the night or the dying of the light. Sorry. (laughs) But I, I think the scene between Ted and Michelle's really beautiful. And of course, it's completely heart wrenching and, um, but really beautiful. I mean, he loves this woman and he would have been happy with her for the rest of her life. And she could not be happy with him for whatever reason. Um, and so they separate and, uh, it's quite heartbreaking, but interspersed, as I had said at the top with, you know, Keely and Roy, you know, starting to flirt with each other in another parking lot and kind of seeing that cycle of how, relationships begin and end and then begin again. So I thought I was, it was a little on the nose, you know, a little on the nose, but I think they earned it with how crafty and um, good they had written the rest of the episode. I think we, I, I was totally able to roll with the, on the noseness of the two parking lots. So that was quite well done.
3: Yeah. I think another thing that is maybe a little too well, on the nose or or a cliche is that it's it's clear that keely knows what's going on with her and roy and roy (laughs) and and she's just she's waiting for roy to stop messing up because he has you know when the, the locker room scene between the two of them where she ultimately asks him through a text message whether it was okay for her to pee you know that he is stumbling like i'm stumbling now with words but she knows what's going on. And the fact that the woman knows what's going on and the man is kind of stumbling around is definitely a cliche. There's a lot of truth to the cliche, but, but still mm-hmm. it, it is a cliche. But we, ex- I accept it at least in this situation because Keely has shown herself to be wise about all kinds of relationships yeah. up until now. So it's not mm-hmm. surprising that she knows what's going on between her and Roy while Roy is gradually coming to the to his own realization of it.
2: Well, yeah, because Roy can't read a social cue if it stuffed itself up his nose. So uh, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so yes. it's very yes. congruent with their characters that she's like, uh-huh, I see you. And he's like, What? What's going on? You know?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he has to be told not to approach a woman in a dark parking lot at the like, come on, Roy. That's But don't
2: you love that she yeah. says that? I mean, come on. In I that, do, and, and I, then I that do. he gets it. Yeah, well yes, I, yeah. in the age of me too, ongoing, endlessly, Keely's just like, don't F with me. Like, you don't yeah. do that. And oh, I'm sorry. I have to pee. Can I go do that? Now like she just Dust does not defer to them. She doesn't give in. She's just like, yeah, this is BS, and I'm just going to make sure you are super clear about that. So, one of the things I love about her.
1: Yeah, she is as sincere in her admonishment as she in is as she is in in her adoration for yeah. you know Rebecca and for anybody else. She's just a very sincere person, and really, I could see why she's with Jimmy Tart. But you know, once she starts. I think, well, I mean, we're led to believe when she meets Ted, but whatever, when she starts growing up a little bit, she's, you know, she's done with that kid and on to uh boy for good reasons. Uh, you know, I think Heather and Drang summed it up really well. Uh, I don't really have a lot to add to that. And I think anything I do add will just detract from it. So uh, I'll just say I love that uh, Beard is just hanging out in the rain. Uh, with two beers <laughs> for his buddy because yeah. he knows something not great is going to happen. And he's, you know, he's either hanging out in the rain or he's sitting in the bar just looking out the window waiting to show up there with a beer for him and uh, yeah. get on We him.
0: all need, in and, 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 and a moment of crisis like this, we all need a friend and yep. a park bench and a pint.
1: Doesn't say anything. Just, you know, chills out. Oh, and then the... the uh again, setting up immediately what they set up uh, – paying off immediately what they set up in the beginning, uh, the older guy with the scarf on. And uh, <laughs> Ted, Ted is careful to call up the scarf because that's the clue to the viewer that we're going to see right. that guy later. Like, anyway, they they pay it all off. And he – what does he – I don't know. He says, good job, wanker or something. Yeah. Like he, well yeah, done, yeah. wanker, yeah. Well done, wanker, yeah. And I, I just love those small little payoffs. That's, you know, it – that is one of the fewer jokes that we got this episode but it really just cemented like well you've you've lost the love of your life but uh the town loves you in a weird way so that's good it's a great
0: episode it's a yeah. it, it's it's a it's a turning up, it's a turning point in uh Ted Lasso I think there are there are better episodes or episodes that entertain me more than this one, but in terms of giving heart to the whole series and giving a shape to the arc, uh, I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking taking into account uh, Heather's uh, caution about uh, Michelle's uh, character development and the and, and the relationship, uh, that aside. Um, this is this is really good television, and uh, and it does a lot for the series as a whole. I think.
2: Can I ask a question? Yeah. Okay. Now I could be revealing myself as really a blockhead like Jamie, but why is it called Tan Lines?
0: Because of the reference to uh, Ted's old art teacher.
2: The oh, the first time I saw Tan Lines. The first time I saw.
1: Sorry, Tan that's Tan where Lines. I was going by saying I should have. I should have said yeah. That's where I was going with the whole thing where. Uh, he's feeling exposed and through the tan lines, it's, 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 it's flesh that is, has not been touched by the sun. And is such, you know, like, uh, yeah, I think,
0: yeah,
3: I think the words are only used that one time they are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we've been talking about a 30 minute episode, uh, for about (laughs) an hour here (laughs) and, and I promised myself, I would never quit anything in my life, but I think we need to let this go. (laughs) Um, uh, I want to th- I want to thank uh, the whole panel for being a part of this th- the conversation Dr. Durang, uh, Guy English Heather Berberet thank you all so much for being with us on this episode when we come back to Football is Life next week we will have a curse to disperse thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time